With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And so I wasn't completely truthful um, when I tweeted out today and posted on our message boards that I was going to record this later in the afternoon uh, on Wednesday, April the 15th, uh, because I am recording it early afternoon on April the 15th. This is the Hawkeye Nation Mailbag Podcast. I'm your host, publisher of Hawkeye Nation, Rob Howe. And I appreciate all your questions for the mailbag again ahead of time before I start reading them. Um, But I decided to record uh, earlier today so I could get this done and then go on to the Kirk Ferentz Zoom meeting press conference at 1.30 Central Time today. And by doing it this way, I'm locked into doing an hour or less podcast for the mailbag. So it encourages me to answer the questions a little quicker. Uh, I think we'll get under that that um, timeline anyway, but um, I figured I'd do it that way. Maybe I can get this posted a little bit sooner than later, and the questions were kind of slowing down anyway, so why not? And I'm going to start today. Last week, I don't remember, maybe we had one or two questions from the Hawkeye Nation message boards. Uh, today, we have quite a few. It's actually much more than 20. Uh, more, there are more questions on here than on Twitter and Facebook combined. So I will start uh, in the basketball forum with basketball questions from the Hawkeye Nation message board users. And first up is a frequent um, uh, contributor to this podcast, Moda Basan, uh, a well-known member on Hawkeye Nation. Do you think Luca has done enough at this point in his career to deserve, to deserve his jersey getting hung in the rafters, or do you think he has to come back to make that happen? I was really, really selective when doing this. Uh, I don't think they've retired a number for men's men's basketball in a long time. I apologize. I do not have that in front of me, but it's been a long time, and there aren't many up there. Uh, they really, really um, – shy away from doing that for whatever reason. I know there was a push for Roy Marble Sr. to be, uh, to have his jersey put up there, particularly after he became ill and then eventually, unfortunately, passed away. Iowa's all-time leading scorer. Um, But Luca is the first to win any National Player of the Year award, first consensus All-American since Chuck Darling in 1952, uh, record for points in a season you know, 16 straight straight 20-point games. As I go through the credentials, I think he deserves to be up there already. I do think he's going to end up coming back for his senior year and add to the legacy. So this, um, so, you know, us, this, this timeline here is probably going to be moot because I think he adds to what he's already done uh, and then eventually gets his, uh, his jersey uh, up into the rafters and it'll be well-deserved, but I think he deserves it already. Uh, Hawks going wild. Hawkeyes going wild. Um, for the 2021 class for the men's basketball, having for now two scholarships left, who do you think they have a chance of getting? Um, we have uh, a few iterations of this question 
Uh, so I'm gonna try to just go through here and I'll maybe touch on the question again if it comes up, but for the most part, um, you know, Iowa's still offering players. And I think the guys that they're offering now are probably more likely than guys they've offered in the past, just because it's kind of how Fran operates. He gets to the point where, okay, I've offered, I've offered this kid, you know, six, eight, 10 months ago, and there's no movement there, time to move on or add to the pool. And, um, but I think the exception to that, and, and you guys have heard me talk about this before, and I wrote a story about him earlier uh, this spring, maybe, or maybe it was the end of winter, whatever. It was during, maybe it was during his season, but Peyton Sanford, the small forward out of Waukee, Iowa, um, has an offer from Iowa um, and has had it for, for some time. Uh, Minnesota's offered him, Utah's offered him, Drake has offered him, um, Air Force has offered him. I think Iowa sits really good with Peyton. I think he likes the idea of coming in and possibly replacing, uh, you know, moving into Joe Wieskamp's spot. So I think he's probably the top guy on the board right now, at least in terms of most likely to end up at Iowa. Um, and I know uh, Nike Hawk, I believe, asked in another question on here that I'll get to. Uh, could I see Iowa taking three players in this class? I think they could, but it's just, it's hard to know how that breaks down because, you know, pencil leaves, whatever that was last week or the week before, boom, a scholarship opens up and that got Iowa to the limit, but you don't know what type of attrition Iowa may have after next year. You hope there isn't any, but I think we all, we've all, we're all aware enough to know how much attrition there is in college basketball. So I certainly could see three guys being in this class. Um, you know, Gabe, Gabe Wisnitzer, uh, he's a center uh, originally from, I believe he's from South Carolina. Uh, he goes um, to, um, sorry, he goes to Hargrave Military Academy, Academy in Virginia. Iowa offered him last week. Uh, he told me he's seven feet tall. He's a center, about 240 pounds. Uh, really got himself in shape. Reminds me a little bit of um, Luca Garza in terms of a guy who maybe has emerged once he got himself physically ready to play um, and really took off this year for Hargrave Military Academy. He was at the Christ School uh, in North Carolina before transferring to Hargrave for this past season. Uh, he also claims offers from Clemson, DePaul, uh, LSU, Nebraska, Penn State, uh, St. John's, and TCU, among others. So Iowa will have his have the its work cut out for it in, in trying to get him uh, to come in. But he likes the idea of following in Lucas' footsteps, and who would? And he obviously sees firsthand what could happen for him at Iowa. So I think Iowa's probably in pretty good shape with him again. And, and I, I won't make this disclaimer throughout this podcast, but with the pandemic shutting down in-face recruiting, it's really hard to know what timelines are going to be on this, uh, when kids can get in for visits, when they'll make decisions, if, you know, signing days will be moved. It's just so hard to know right now until we see how this thing shakes out. Uh, but I think that Gabe is probably very much uh, on the top of the board for Iowa right now in terms of who it would like to get in this class. Um, recently offered Isaiah Barnes, uh, a shooting guard wing player uh, out of Oak Park, Illinois. Uh, we have a story on, on Gabe Wisnitzer. We have a story on Isaiah Barnes. I've caught up with all these kids, uh, Peyton Sanifer. There's stories on these kids on the site if you want to read kind of what their feelings are about Iowa. Uh, but Isaiah Barnes is another nice option for Iowa. And then uh, I'm trying to think here. Those are kind of the guys that come to the top of my mind now. Um, you know, Barnes, Santa Fort, and Wisnitzer. Um, I know, and, I, and uh, Nike Hawk asked this down, but I, it's in my mind because I read the question. So I'll address this now as well. He asked if, if, he, if I felt like Fran was getting too wing happy. I think – Iowa being forced to play basically a four guard offense this season has really opened that option up. Um, Fran has always talked about it, but been reluctant to do it. Um, 
So I think you're going to see maybe more matchup type uh, alignments for Iowa. You know, just for instance, you know, you play Jack Nungy and Garza together if they're playing a big front line. If it's a smaller front line, maybe it's Connor McCaffrey at the four with Garza in the middle. Or if Garza comes out, you put Nungy in the middle. There, there are possibilities there. I think Fran likes that idea of loading up on wings and having enough wings to fill in that two to four spot. Um, and Connor McCaffrey's not a wing, but you get the idea. I, I don't think he's going to have a problem playing maybe a point guard and three wings, four perimeter guys, one in. I think he's leaning more towards doing that, which um, I don't have a problem with. I thought it was a good option for them this year. And if you give yourself some flexibility uh, to be able to do that, um, you know, I think you, you have your, you can match up with whatever the opponent is doing. So kind of like that option. So hopefully I answered both of those questions in one shot. Uh, we'll see. Motobasan is back. This is a completely hypothetical question, but I'm going to put it out there. What if McCaffrey took half a scholarship from each of his sons and paid the remaining tuition? Then he convinced Matt Harms to come play for Iowa for his last season. Are we the number one team in the nation and favored to win the national championship? Although I don't like Harms simply because I can't stand Purdue. I think I could take him to give us a greater shot for NCAA. He obviously would improve your odds. I think the problem's on the other end. I don't think Matt Harms is going to want to come in here. I don't think he pl- you can play him alongside Luca. Um, I suppose you could, but Harms isn't going to come in and want to sit behind Garza. So I don't see that as being a possibility. To your greater point, can I see Fran bringing somebody in that could help and taking, you know, either, you know, however you want to do the math, take a scholarship away from one of his kids uh, or both of his kids to improve the team. I don't think he has a problem doing that. He did that initially, actually, uh, when he brought Garza and Nunji in. Connor was originally a walk-on before a scholarship opened up. So I would not say that it's uh, out of the realm of possibility that Fran would do that if it benefited the roster and benefited the team. And knowing Patrick and and Connor, I I have no doubt in my mind that they would give up their scholarship, although Fran's paying for it, but they would give up their scholarship to make the team better. All right, let's move on. Ian Pikehammer on the HN Basketball Message Boards. Three questions. You're getting greedy, Ian Pikehammer. Three questions. If you don't mind, all about a new class of recruits. In your opinion, which of the new five new incoming freshmen needs to contribute next year? Which of the five, if any, would you expect to surprise us and play better than he has advertised? And lastly, barring injury and unforeseen circumstances, who are the most likely to redshirt? Go Hawks. Thanks. Uh, thank you for the question, Ian. Um, I don't know that anybody he capitalized needs to contribute. Um, I don't know if anybody needs to contribute next year if Luca comes back and, you know, the roster's intact. It's going to be hard for them to even get in there, let alone needing to contribute. Um, as, as I touched on earlier, I think Fran is more open to using smaller lineups. I think either Ulis uh, or Perkins could be the guy who's most ready to contribute. I'll handle it that way. I'm not sure the minutes will be there, but if Iowa goes small, there'll be more minutes for those guys. And I think those guys that are capable of contributing, particularly – on the defensive end where we all know Iowa needs the most help. I think both of those guys, and it's tough for freshmen to do that, but I think both of those guys are pretty adept athletically and skilled on the defensive end that they can help a la what Joe Toussaint did this year. Not to the level of Toussaint. He's a better defensive player, on-ball defender than those guys, but those guys are also pretty good on-ball defenders, and I think they can help in that way. Um, What player might surprise us? play better than he has advertised you know they're all three star or less so um advertise why and I get how you're asking this question um I would probably say the Murrays because I think the least amount is expected for them from them because of their offer list and when they were signed and yada yada I think 
they're the ones that probably the least is expected of right now, even though they're Kenyon's kids. I think that's a mistake. I think both are very skilled and can are, are still developing. Um, but I, I will piggyback your last part of your third question on who's most likely to redshirt. I think it's those two guys. And I think if you were able to redshirt them, you get them as redshirt freshmen two years at a Cedar Rapids Prairie. They're probably 20, 21 years old. That's really, that would really, really be beneficial. So um, that's kind of my answer to those questions. Uh, here's Nike Hawks question. Do you think it's possible I would take three players in the class? I'll answered that. Yes, I do. Uh, but I doubt Fran would pass on a good player. Um, I'm sorry. I'll read the whole, whole question. I'm I'm, I apologize, Nike. I was trying to skim through this and speed this up, but we're doing all right on time. Do you think it's possible Iowa takes three players in the 2021 class? I do is, think it's possible. You have J-Bo and Garza scholarships that's mentioned above, but you also also will likely have Wies camps as well. I tend to agree with that. I think Joe's going to come out after his junior year. Again, very fluid situation. He could get hurt. You just never know what's going to happen. I think that's probably the case, though. I think a big man is a must, and Sanford is an in-state kid we would like to have, but I doubt Fran would pass on a good player if he could find one more for a three-man class. Yeah, and I, I discussed that earlier, Nike, and I, I think that's certainly a possibility of him taking maybe um, uh, somebody, you know, like the big guy from South Carolina, um, the Wiz and then maybe adding a couple wings onto that. I guess he could go with a power forward if he can find the right one. But we know, Fran, this, the, the AAU thing being shut down is tough, but he's still evaluating film and networking. And there's no doubt in my mind there are going to be more names to that emerge through this rest of this 2021 recruiting cycle that we're going to hear that he's going to like and offer and potentially end up being members of his class. Uh, the second question, do you think we are having an overload on the wing spot? I addressed this earlier. I don't. Uh, I think there are multiple uh, uh, slots you can play wings when you play a small offense. So I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay going with, you know, a Frederick, Wieskamp, Connor, Frederick, Frederick the two McCaffreys, uh, the two McCaffreys, and, you know, I don't know, maybe one of the Murrays down the road. So I, it, it's, I think it's pretty, I like, I think those guys are versatile, versatile enough to play. And, and Connor helps this a lot because he's ability to guard multiple positions. But thank you for the questions, Nike. Uh, Brew Crew 3, is it feasible within the rules to have Agundale move to D.C. and work with the Garzas? Uh, he signed a letter of intent. So he probably could do that. I don't know what the feasibility of that would be. And there's also social distancing right now. So I'm not sure that either side would want to be near each other uh, or that close to each other where they could work out together. Um, but I'm sure Josh Agundale, um is getting his reps in uh, up in Massachusetts at prep school and working on his game. Um, I don't, I mean, that's an interesting question, Brew Crew, and, and I certainly think it would be possible. But I think once the social distancing ends and or, or lightens and we can get back together, those guys will all end up coming to Iowa City and working together anyway. Summers Hawk asks, answers that question. Uh, SSC Kelly, another uh, frequent contributor on the boards, and I appreciate the question, Kelly. My favorite fast food burger. I probably should have read this beforehand so I could have thought about this. Um, uh, Culver's? Can I use Culver's? I'm going to say Culver's. I love the butter burgers at Culver's. Also, like the five guys, uh, they just opened one out in Coralville. Going to Coralville from where I am on the east side of Iowa City is like going to another country, though. I have to be over in that area doing something. I won't just go over there. Uh, just for one specific thing. I've got to knock out a bunch of things at once. So I would say Culver's and Five Guys um, would probably be my top two. After that, if you're looking in the, you know, the, the Wendy's, McDonald's, uh, Burger King, because I think there are levels of fast food as well. 
Um, I think Culver's is obviously, and Five Guys is a level up both financially and food quality wise up from McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King. But I would probably vote just burgers. I would go Wendy's out of that group. Hope that answered your question. I don't know what you're going to do with that information other than laugh at me. Uh, Kicker 22, with the new impact social distancing will be playing will be will play going forward how do defenses react to the ever-changing game ideally you'd go to a zone to allow the six-foot cushion between the defender and the offensive player but doing so would have the lane packed and the defensive players would simply be way too close to each other to prevent the spread of the virus how do we move forward i'm going to take that as a tongue-in-cheek question kicker um but Iowa did play more zone this year, and I thought it was a good defense for them. So I would expect to see more zone defense moving forward by the Hawkeyes. And that's it for the basketball board. And we're doing well on time here, too. So that is good to know. I'm going to go over the football Hawkeye Nation board because uh, you guys have the most questions. And then I'll hit up Twitter and Facebook before closing out. Um, Let's see here. Moda Bassan over on the football board as well. I love how the Hawkeyes have been digging, have been dipping their toes into a wider, wider recruiting waters throughout the South and now a little more out West. As I have formerly, as I have formerly lived, uh, sorry, I apologize. Excuse me for that burp if that came through. As I have formerly lived in the South for 30 years, I think they need to hit the Valdosto Colquitt, Thomasville areas a little bit more. I believe that's in Georgia, right? Um, these areas are about 50 mile radius of each other and put on an incredible number of D1 talent and state championships. As a program, we already have strong connection to Valdosta with Valdosta State University. No real question here, but I would like to see Iowa start building relationships in talent rich area just a few hours north of Tampa. Can you, can you mention to Coach Foster about these areas he's missing out on? There are Hawkeye fans in southwest Georgia, too. I will bring that up to Coach Foster next time I speak with him, Moda Bassan. I think they recruit that area. I just don't know if they, as they've had that much success. They don't recruit it as, as much as some other areas. But obviously, as you said, Seth Wallace coached at Valdosta State. Um, I think uh, – Coach Foster knows that area and has recruited it before. So, yeah, I'm sure they're open to doing that. So is Tim Dwight the fastest Hawkeye ever? That's a good question, one Hawkeye one. Um, Knowing Tim, I know he doesn't listen to this podcast, so I won't feel feel bad if I offend him. But I'm not good at these who are the fastest Hawkeye ever questions and who can, you know, do the, you know, whose dad can beat the other dads up. I'm half joking. Your question is a good one. Uh, Cause it's, you know, I think that's a, a valid question and, and people would like to know if he was, uh, I think he's certainly up there. Um, I don't know when they're primes, if you just put people on, you know, what are you running? Are you running a 50? You're running a hundred. Um, you running with pads on or you running on a track. I mean, there are so many different variables. I would say he's up there, but I don't have a solid answer for your question. Tim Dodge was fast. And I know there's a bunch of other guys you guys can name that have come through this program that are very fast. Bob Sanders was really fast. Um, it's just hard to know uh, if you, what type of race we would be running, but uh, good question. I, Tim's right up there for sure. Uh, Stanzi asks, do you expect any additional commitments in the near future? Maybe Parks or someone else we've been on for a while? Yeah, this is a game. This goes back to what I was talking about on on the basketball side. With with no face-to-face visits and obviously a, it's huge in recruiting because May is the time of year where coaches get out on the road and see these kids in person see them, some of them playing spring football in their states or baseball or running track or whatever the sports they're in, in their state, you get a chance to see these kids commit. They get a chance to see you, you meet the parents. Then the next month there, you know, in June, there's official visits, there are team camps, things like that. I was really missing a lot on those things. Um, And I know, you know, Iowa got the commitment this week. from the Florida cornerback, Oaken 
Oaken. Uh, I'm bad at pronunciations. Oladokun. Oladokun. I think that's how he's Jordan Oladokun from Tampa. Um, and he hadn't even visited the campus yet. His high school teammate, who you mentioned, Ricky Parks, has visited twice and was scheduled, as is Jordan, to take his official visit June 19th. A bunch of guys are. Usually there's commitments out of that. Um, but who knows if that's going to take place and who knows how the May period of not being able to get face-to-face -face with kids will change, um, you know, change, change the – I don't know, the, the dynamic or the process of how, um, I'm sorry, I got distracted, guys. Apologize for that. Um, it will change the dynamic of, you know, the process, or if that stunts the process, if there won't be as many kids officially visiting uh, as there would have been before. But I was in on on a good number of guys in this class that I think have, uh, they have, they, they have a really good chance with, um, uh, who's the kid I was thinking of? Man, my memory's terrible. Um, well, I wrote about Arlen Bruce. Uh, he's really, he's a wide receiver out of Kansas city. You can find his story on Hawkeye nation. I think he would like to make a summer decision. Uh, he's really focused on Iowa and Iowa state at this point, Brody Brecht, uh, wide receiver from Ankeny is another guy I think who wants to make a summer decision. He's visited here before. He's down to Iowa and Iowa State, and he certainly can make a decision uh, off of those two. Um, Tyler McLaurin is a linebacker at a Bolingbrook. I think that Iowa is in pretty good shape with. Arden Walker, defensive end from Colorado, Iowa's in pretty good shape with. I don't know how, again, I don't know how close any of these guys are uh, to committing just because, you know, I think what happened with, with, um, with Jordan yesterday, was it yesterday, Tuesday or Monday, whatever day it was when he committed, um, that's more the exception than the rule that uh, a guy would commit without visiting. So um, that's, I think, the, that's the hurdle that you have to overcome if you're going to get more commitments. So I, I wouldn't expect many, if any, commitments during the quarantine. I just, I think it's, it takes a leap of faith on both parts to be able to do that. Uh, Joe Alt, uh, John Alt's son, uh, is an offensive lineman out of Minnesota. I think I was in pretty good shape with him. Max Llewellyn. Um... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. A defensive lineman out of Urbandale, Iowa. I think I was in good shape with him. Um, so those are some names I'll throw out there for you that I think I was in pretty good shape with. We'll kind of see how uh, things shake out from there. Uh, okay, back. Well, I went to the basketball board. Sorry about that. Um, Nike Hawk checking in with recruiting on the football board. I feel recruiting has really been on uptick in recent cycles, and I think many would likely agree with that. What do you think has been the main contributor to that? Younger recruiters, Bell, Barnes, Foster, Brian Ferentz, social media, facility improvements, better identification of players, etc. I think all of those things you mentioned, Nike, are a factor in this. Um, I, not the least of which I think is they have really good recruiters on staff. The guys you mentioned, uh, I would throw Seth Wallace in there, Phil Parker. I mean, they just really have a strong staff not only of guys that are personable and can connect with recruits, but also guys that are really good at identifying talent. And that to me has been on the uptick to use your word, better identification of talent um, and projection of talent guys that maybe are playing different positions in high school that end up excelling, you know, 
at a, at a new position when they get to Iowa. I think that's a big part of it. I think the social media is maybe a little bit, but Iowa doesn't do as much as most schools do. And if that's what you're talking about in terms of social media, promoting their, their program, but Iowa does enough and focuses on the right things that they're, that it's able to, with its targeting of social media, identify the guys that fit into this culture. And I'll wrap up answering your question with that being the biggest reason that I was doing better in recruiting is not only the identification of the talent, but the identification of guys that fit in this culture. Iowa is really fragile when it comes to that. If you get a group of guys that are disruptive to your culture, it can be a killer. And Iowa's had really good success with having guys that are on the same page. And I will use an example, you know, the Noah Fant thing where his brother was, you know, taking to social media to criticize the coaches that never really um, affected or tore, you know, it didn't do anything to tear apart the locker room. Iowa still was able to deal with something like that, even though it came from outside the walls because of how strong everything inside the walls is. And I think that to me is the biggest reason why we're seeing the uptick is that they're getting guys that fit. You hear that word fit used so much. And I think sometimes it's overused, uh, but I don't think there's anything more important than finding a player talented. Obviously he's got to be able to play football, but a guy that fits into the culture here. So thank you for that question, Nike. And I would agree with you that there is an uptick and I think they're getting the right guys. Uh, TRJ. Do you think KF will get to and win a Rose Bowl before he retires? Man, it's so hard to make make the Rose Bowl these days, and, and you know, especially with it factoring. You like you guys like how I uh, ride the fence or avoid answering these questions. Um, I'm going to say yes. Uh, he's a good coach, and I think Iowa is on the uptick, upswing, to use Nike's word, uptick again. Uh, in the Big Ten West, I think Iowa is going to win this division within the next couple of years. I don't know if it'll be this year with Petrus's first year, uh, but I think they're going to get to it within the next three years and put them in self in position to go to the Rose Bowl. So why not? You probably will face a Pac-12 team and one that doesn't have Christian McCaffrey. Um, and as bad a matchup as Stanford was, I like our chances against uh, the Pac-12. Uh, B. Goldhawk, what happened with the recruitment of Marcus Embo? He set an announcement date and was on the verge of committing to the Hawks. Did the no-visit policy cause him to reconsider, or is that no longer a thing? They have some flexibility with the no-visit po policy, but it is still a thing. Iowa does not like when guys verbally commit and then visit other schools. There are exceptions to the rule. I think you saw that with uh, Justin Jacobs visiting Ohio State. Uh, I think you have to have some flexibility within that rule. So I think there is, you know, some flexibility there, as I said, with that rule. But it's uh, it, it, it could have, you know, I never really got what happened with Marcus Embo. And some of you guys are probably rolling your eyes because you've read this on Hawkeye Reports, Insider Message Board, or somewhere else. Uh, I just got the sense that he wasn't ready to commit yet. He thought about it, and I don't know what got into his mind. Um, and I'm not sure Iowa was ready to take his commitment yet either. So I think there were they're usually with these type of things, there's two sides to every story and two sides uh, at work here. So I'm going to say that without giving you specifics. Um, I will say that that was probably what's at work. Um, quad city Hawkeye. Do you know Fred Garvin? He worked in the quad cities years ago. Um, if you do, I know, you know, he had a heck of a rep reputation. And if you guys don't know who Fred Garvin is, Google it. Who would you take to win a three-point contest that featured the following in their prime? We're on the football board, Quad City. <laughs> I'll answer I'm just messing with you. Kent McCausland, Chris Kingsbury, or Jordan Bohannon? Uh, straight three-point contest? Eesh. I know Mac McCausland. Uh, he probably doesn't visit, listen to this podcast. I'll hear from him if I don't pick Kent, though. Um, uh, man, that's hard. I did not cover Kingsbury, although I watched him and obviously know about him. I did cover the other two when they played here. 
I'm going to say Bohannon, and that's just because uh, maybe some recency bias, but also just of the makeup of Jordan. Uh, that's and that's not to knock on either of the other two guys because Kingsbury certainly played with an edge and Kent was uh, a, a quiet or a baby-faced assassin so I think it would be great I'd love to see that happen but I'd go with Bohannon um, Mountie Joe Hawk asked any news on where Cordo Pemsel may transfer another basketball question on the football thread that's okay we're going through a pandemic we'll let these things go um, I heard let me, I'm going to Google this. I apologize for taking some time on this, but I know Drake was one of the schools and I know Drake would love to have Cordell if he does decide to go there. I think you and I, I don't know what their scholarship situation is, but I think uh, he would help uh, either one of those programs and they, he would be a nice contributor right away. Probably going to depend for Cordell on whether he wants to, um, he wants to go maybe down a level and contribute more or maybe play at a higher level and make a run at maybe, you know, a big prize, although staying at Iowa, he probably could have done that. Um, I'm going to give uh, David Eichholt for Hawkeye Insider talked with Cornell, I believe recently, um, or at least got some feedback from him. Yeah, he did. He told uh, these guys, 247 Sports, I don't know if it was David or somebody within the network, but uh, this was, what's the date of this story? Uh, April 5th. So we're talking 10 days ago. I'm sure he's heard from more schools and maybe things have uh, progressed in terms of him finding a new home. Uh, But these are the schools that he's drawing interest from, according to 247 Sports. New Mexico State, Cincinnati, Boston College, Eastern Tennessee State, Central Michigan, Western Michigan, Toledo, Akron, Illinois State, Albany, South Florida, Seattle, San Diego, Virginia Tech, and Drake. So a long list there, mostly mid-majors, a couple uh, high-major schools. Uh, Cincinnati would be interesting. I think he'd fit that program well. He's kind of a kind of a banger and a guy who brings attitude and that program is kind of all about that. Um, Virginia tech is nice too, uh, just in terms of a place to be. So that's it for the Hawkeye nation questions. Thank you guys came back with a vengeance after missing me last week. And and I'll take credit for that as well by um, being late to posting the threads on the board. Uh, Okay. I've got three Twitter questions today, or at least three via the, using the HN mail hashtag. Uh, that's H-N-M-A-I-L hashtag. If you ever have a question, even during the week, just throw that at me and I will answer it the following Wednesday uh, on the podcast. Um, it just, when you use the hashtag, it's easier for me to round this up. And I apologize to anybody out there whose questions I didn't get to this week that didn't use the hashtag. But as I said earlier, running a little uh, short on time with Kirk, 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 excuse me, Coach Kirk Ferentz's press conference coming up this afternoon. So I'm going to stick with the HN mail hashtag on the Twitter questions today. Uh, and first in was Kyle Dupik, uh, at Kyle Dupik on Twitter, asks, even though we are 10 to 15, parenthetical reference, question mark, plus years into more pass-happy spread offensive, do you think Iowa's generally more traditional approach gives it a consistent decisive advantage over teams in the future or do you think the challenge lies mostly in Iowa's lack you guys you're not going to like this answer Kyle but it it really is about execution and it's about uh it was funny because I if you guys I recommend you guys I'll I'll pimp this but I recommend recommend you guys listening to the Drew Tate podcast that I posted this week uh on the website and you can find it wherever you uh get your podcast as well. But um, he talked about how thick when he got to Iowa, how thick the playbook was. And everybody always finds that interesting because they're like, I, everybody knows what Iowa's doing. They run the same three plays, you know, stretch inside zone, whatever, you know, uh, play action. And um, I think it's more complicated than that. 
I do think Iowa needs to tweak some things in terms of its zone blocking and maybe doing more hat-on-hat blocking because they've got to get figure out a way to get the running game going to help set up that play action. So um, I don't know if it'll give them an advantage moving forward. Um, I think it's all about if they're able to execute what they have and then the players uh, executing. Um, we saw Nate Stanley obviously – had some really great moments over the last three years, but there were other times where he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a pass. And you just wonder how things were. And he's not, no quarterback's going to be perfect, but just having some more consistency within the offense. And then Brian Ferentz being a little bit more comfortable as a play caller and an offensive coordinator, you would hope that this offense takes steps forward, but they, it all starts with have with running the football. We saw that a little bit last year when Iowa did some more things in terms of, you know, jet sweep actions and reverses and things to keep the defense. And I've talked about this on this podcast recently, being less predictable. And part of that is doing things that the defense doesn't expect that you can do within the framework or your, of your offense. So really, that's really what I think will help Iowa moving forward. Thank you for the question, Kyle. Jake Markham at jmarkham1337 on Twitter asks, if football season gets pushed back, excuse me, gets pushed back and starts in January or February and football and basketball are playing at the same time, will Iowa City survive it? <laughs> will I survive it? It will be a party 24-7 also because they both should be pretty good. Would you survive? Yeah, there you go. Covering both teams at the same time. That would be busy, and I would probably lean on Rick Brown a little bit more to help me with coverage. Uh, if you haven't read Rick's story on Lisa Bluter today, uh, talking about um, their team and, and you know losing out on postseason play and then previewing what the program looks like moving forward, uh, I encourage you to read that. Rick's done some great stuff for us, but uh, – yeah, I was thinking about that the other day, Jake, when I, I heard for the first time that, you know, football was considering pushing the season back to, to February, January, February, March of next year, or, you know, February to April, whatever it would be. Um, first of all, logistically, I don't know how you play in the spring and then bring those guys to play back in the fall. Um, it just seems like that would be a lot for a student athlete. Uh, to go two semesters in a row playing, you know, football and then also uh, attending class and going to school. But that's another discussion for another day. I think it'd be great in terms of coverage uh, and for fan consumption. Uh, that's the type of thing after a pandemic or a quarantine, you're, we're all going to be hungry for as much as we can get in terms of, of sports, live sports being played. Uh, I think we could handle it. And I, uh, I, I hope there's more of a, I hope there's, it's more spread out than that. Um, but uh, if it does come to that, I think one, the schools would need to do it for financial reasons. Um, and then two, I think the fans would eat it up. Justin Meese at Justin Meese on Twitter. Uh, thank you for the question, Jake, by the way. Thank you again for checking in. I appreciate it. Justin Meese uh, asks, I may have missed, and sorry if it's a repeat, can you provide a little background and thoughts on T.J. Bowler's recruitment and how Iowa is not in his top six? Just in general terms, Justin, I'm going to say this was a mutual parting of the ways. Um, I just don't think there was a strong connection there. Uh, and I've talked about this on this podcast before, and I appreciate the question because I know, like you, there are other people that may not have heard me explain my reasoning for this or what I've learned about this. When Iowa first started recruiting TJ, whose, whose father, Trevor, played at fullback at Iowa for Hayden Fry, he did not play for Kirk Ferentz. Excuse me. Um, and I know Iowa was very interested in TJ, and they recruited him since he was a freshman. They were one of his first offers. But anyway, that was Reese Morgan. Uh, and Reese Morgan really built a solid relationship with TJ and the family. And I remember TJ telling me he'd love when Reese would come out. And even when Reese wouldn't talk to him, he would just wave, you know, come by football practice at Clear Creek Command and wave to him. And they just really built a strong bond. I don't think that bond carried over to the relationship between TJ and uh, the new defensive, co defensive line coach, Kelvin Bell. And I, I don't, I'm not blaming either side for that. I don't know why. I think it maybe has less to do with their relationship and more to do with how strong TJ's relationship was with Reese Morgan. It would have been tough to replicate that 
for Kelvin and TJ to replicate that because it was built over time. So I really think that, and, and from what I've gathered, I really think that was a key component to this. And then meanwhile, you know, other schools were building longer relationships with him. And then also I think TJ in his mind thinks a 3-4 defense might be better suited for him. I did talk to him, I think it was in December, it's the last story I did on him. Uh, and he, he, he admitted that to me that he felt like a, like a, um, three, four defense might be his best, but he said that would not be the deciding factor. And he was certainly open to playing four, three. So I think that was a factor, but I think the narrative that that was the factor is being a little bit overplayed. So thanks for the question, Justin. Hopefully that answers your question. And I appreciate the Twitter questions I got. And now let's scoot to Facebook. I think I've only got one on here. And then we'll be able to wrap this thing up in a relatively timely fashion. And I can get myself set up for the Zoom press conference with Kirk Ferentz, this should, which, should be, which should be entertaining. Because we got a little taste of that last week with the Gary Barta Zoom uh, press conference and seeing everybody in their, uh, their homes uh, it was uh, was certainly entertaining. And I joked with Scott Docterman from The Athletic about him being in this easy chair because Gary Borda referenced that. So I, uh, I, when I do the Zoom press conferences, I have to adjourn to our bedroom, my wife's bedroom, and uh, sit in here to kind of keep uh, the quiet of having three kids running around the house. Uh, they don't run around as much anymore. They're 15, 13, and nine and a half. So they're more aware of me being uh, doing work and a little bit more quiet, but I digress to the last question of this edition of the HN mailbag podcast from Justin WC Borman on our Hawkeye nation Facebook page. You guys can get on there and ask me questions at any point too. And I will uh, hashtag on that as well, but I haven't asked for that as much because we haven't got as many uh, Facebook questions, but Justin asks, can you give your percentage chance prediction right now on Iowa getting a commitment from each of these recruit? Thanks. Thank you for the question, Justin. And I don't know if I'm good at the percentage. Maybe I'll rank these in order of the likelihood I think that they'll come to Iowa. But one is Ricky Parks, the running back we talked about earlier in the podcast from Tampa, Gaither High School, um, who's, you know, his high school teammate who committed to Iowa the other day, Jordan not bad with these last names. <laughs> oh, let me try to, uh, this one isn't that Oled, Oledokin? Oledokin. I'll have to ask Jordan next time I talk to him uh, how to pronounce his last name. But he's, they're high school teammates, and they've expressed interest in playing together. Ricky Parks is a four-star uh, running back. Would be a great get for Iowa if they're able to land him. But I think Iowa sits pretty well with him, obviously. Uh, I still think he needs to get out here on that official visit. I think if Iowa can get those official visits in at some point this summer, that would really be beneficial. Uh, David David Kov, David David Kov from uh, he's a, a offensive lineman from Illinois, the Chicago area. Um, I've tried to get in touch with David and haven't heard back from him. Sometimes that's an indication of their interest in Iowa because I'm. I'm representing Hawkeye Nation, uh, so there are times where if a kid is really as high on Iowa, he will not respond to me because he's getting inundated with requests like the one from me from, you know, 10, 20 other schools when you're as good of a recruit as he is. So um, that may be the case here, but it may not be. He may just be overwhelmed or he's, he's doing other things and hasn't gotten a chance to get back to me. Uh, but I think he's heavy Michigan. I think he likes Michigan quite a bit. Uh, so that would be my lean there with him. Thomas Fedone, the tight end uh, from Council Bluffs, Lewis Central. Uh, Iowa obviously well positioned with him uh, with the success it's had with tight end position. Skylar Bell is a wide receiver from the Taft School out in Connecticut. Um, Iowa got uh, – uh, bad. why am I – so bad with names today. Devont, Deontay Vines, excuse me, uh, his high school team and, and also plays receiver, um, is coming in in the 2020 class. 
Uh, and I, I've got a story on Skyler on the Hawkeye Nation site. He loves Iowa. Uh, I think he was scheduled to officially visit here in June as well. So that will be big for him. And then Max Llewellyn, uh, who I touched on earlier, uh, defensive end from Urbandale. And these are all 2021 prospects, so kids that will be going into their senior year in the fall um, and, and won't be signing uh, until December at the earliest. But I'm going to just rank those. Um, I'm going to say most likely um, I'm going to go Max Llewellyn 1, Ricky Parks 2, Skylar Bell 3, David Davikoff 4, and Fedone 5. That's how I'd rate them in likelihood of Iowa getting them. Um, Something with Thomas Fedone, I just, I feel like he's a a Nebraska lean. uh, And when I interviewed him earlier in the process, he expressed some concern with, or just how he fits in the Iowa tight end room because Iowa's brought in so many tight ends in the recent recruiting cycles, um, you know, including the two this year. In uh, in Elijah Yelverton uh, and and Lachey out of uh, out of Ohio, and then they got um, uh, two in the previous class. So I'm just wondering; it's going to be probably hard just from a timing standpoint. But I wouldn't count Iowa out. I mean, Iowa still will try to close the deal with him. He's a very talented kid. So I think we got that thing in in about 50 minutes, which is good. Um, in terms of not being too long, but hopefully long enough to distract you guys from uh, this quarantine and being locked up. And as I say every week, I hope you guys are happy and healthy as you can be um, and helping us get through this. And hopefully we have college football and uh, check out the site later, uh, not only for this podcast, but um, for the update from Kirk Ferentz's Zoom press conference. Uh, We've got some other uh, strong content coming up this week, and we've had some strong content in recent days. Uh, did a fun story on former Hawkeye defensive lineman Matt Nelson uh, and his new bride doing a virtual wedding uh, earlier this month after having to postpone their wedding because of the virus and uh, you know the the social distancing. So um, give that a, a read too. That'll kind of put a smile on your face, I hope. But um, I appreciate you guys uh, asking the questions. I appreciate everybody for listening to this latest edition of the HN Mailbag Podcast. It it is April the 15th, the Wednesday. Uh, I'm closing out here at about 1.12 p.m. Central Time. And uh, have a a great week. Um, And we will talk to you again next Wednesday, which will be, what is that? I'm doing math in my head, April 22nd. All right, guys, thanks again for listening, and please give us a visit at Hawkeye Nation when you can.